Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. Ready to rock and roll? Awesome. And I, I got a hold of last week's stuff, and man, that was some good stuff. I've already had people say, well, we don't need you anymore. Jamie will just do it. I said, oh, that's, that's fine by me. I'll just, I'll just be supportive, and I'll feed my children in the back room. That's, <laughs> that'd be wonderful. <laughs> oh, but it was just a powerful word, and I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. And I got just a an urgency in my heart again, just to continue going forward in what God has called us to do. So if you got your Bibles, let's go right into this this morning. And I guess what we're doing is, I actually just wanted to share with you some things that have been brewing in my heart for about two or three weeks now for us as a church family, just to really pay attention to. And uh, we're going to dive into this. And again, some of the emphasis of these words, just that word I gave a little while ago, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's time that we get ready. And the church needs to be ready You know, in these upcoming days, I believe this, there's going to be some powerful things that are literally going to shake our nation if we're not ready for it. It could shake us. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things happening. I mean, I just, I'm expecting some sudden lease to take place, not only in the political realm, but also in the church realm. Their phony is done. It's not working anymore. We can call the bluff. We can see it. We can smell it from a mile away. It ain't cutting it anymore, especially in the church. And so what we're looking for is to be authentic. What we're looking for is to be the real deal, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're all about is we're Jesus people, meaning we're people of the word and we're people of the spirit. Amen? So let's get into this this morning. And again, one of the greatest needs in the church is that the church operates in revelation knowledge. Not just head knowledge, not just mental assent, but revelation knowledge. I don't want to be satisfied. You and I should not be satisfied with just having information about God. We accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we just go, okay, I'm good with that. I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. Everything's going to be a-okay. Well, that's great. Thank God you're going to heaven, but doesn't mean that it's going to be all hunky-dory down here. The church, Jesus said, we are to live, and how God is building his church is through revelation knowledge. Jesus said this, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What does that mean? Does that just mean that all of a sudden we got this, you know, protection around this building or protection around us everywhere we go? Well, yeah, the the blood of Jesus protects us. But he said on top of that, revelation knowledge is how God is building his church. And that revelation knowledge that you and I are living in and operating in, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, meaning the enemy cannot come in when somebody who knows what the word of God has said and they stand on what the word of God reveals. That's what you and I ought to be. That's how Jesus designed his church to be, that we live in this place of we know the word. Not just head knowledge, we know it. And when I know it, I now live out of it. I carry it out. It's not just me having head knowledge and going about my day. It becomes a part of who I am. Kind of like when Jillian was sharing this offering message. Money is not just, you know, I do this once in a while. I live this way conscious of that I'm blessed of God and he gives seed to the sower. I live this way. Why? It's revealed to us. This is how God designed his church to be, right? Okay. Now, I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 8. Let's turn here for a moment. But again, I want to press in for revelation knowledge. Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I to be ignorant of him. Correct? I mean, I think everything that we see as he laid... As he was nailed to the cross completely naked, it completely exposed to the world for all to see. He did all of that so that he could usher us in and bring us into this place of intimacy with him. And let me just show you this. This is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. And again, if you read this all in context, this is God speaking. And he's revealing that he's bringing in another covenant. 
Because the first covenant didn't work, not because it doesn't work in the sense of the Israelites weren't able to keep it. So he said, I had to leave them. I had to abandon them from that. But hey, a new one's coming. Thank God the new covenant is coming. And thank God we live in that today. And verse 11, it says this. This is the result of this. This new covenant will be that everyone. Come on, say it with me. Everyone. Everyone will know me as Lord. Come on, can we say that together? Everyone will know me as Lord. This is what God said. This new covenant, the result of this new covenant will be that you will know him as Lord. How many of you know him as Lord? Now, listen, we, we, whoo, thank God for that. Old Testament, you only had a certain few that could experience that. In the New Testament, whosoever that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and you've got complete access to know him as Lord. Then look at this. It says, there will, no, there will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying, you should know the Lord Jehovah. What that simply means is this. Back in the Old Testament, in order to get a message from God, what did people have to do? They had to go to the king or the priest, right? Mostly the priest, to go up to this individual and say, hey, what does God say about this? How you know in the New Testament now, doesn't mean that there aren't the fivefold ministries, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They're there to communicate and bring the word of God, absolutely. But you and I, we're not dependent on any human being to relay a message from God to us. There's only one man between you and the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. No Pope, nothing. Jesus is the only one that stands between me and the Father, so you got direct access for yourself. This is the whole premise of the new covenant is you've got complete access to know the Father and he wants to reveal himself to you, through you, and he wants to also just tell you about your personal life. He wants to be involved in that. Thank God for this. This is the whole result of the new covenant. Then he says, since everyone will know me, now where? Inwardly. They're going to know me inwardly from the most unlikely to the most distinguished, or other translations say from the oldest to the youngest. God does not have grandchildren. He's got kids, period, right? Then verse 12, he says, I will demonstrate my mercy to them and will forgive their evil deeds and never again will I remember their sin. Oh, man, aren't you thankful for this new covenant? This is what you and I are a part of, and do we have to do anything to deserve it? It was a free gift by you simply embracing what Jesus did, the high price that he paid to get you and I into not only his kingdom, but part of his family, and he wants to reveal himself to you and I. This is such good news. This is the beauty of the gospel that we preach. Amen? Now, this new covenant that we're invited to be with with Jesus is a personal call and experience to revelation knowledge. And this is what makes us different. You have to answer this call. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Everybody's heard it. You've received the call. Come to me. Come to me. Come know me. You'll know me inwardly. Everybody will experience and know me as Lord. That call has gone out to everyone, but you have to respond to that call. You have to respond to it. And this call, again, for revelation knowledge is what he's inviting you and I into. So, again, revelation knowledge doesn't just fall on us. You have to actively press in for it. If Jesus bled and died for it, you and I ought to go at it with everything we've got because there's obviously some things that we don't know. But here's the cool thing he wants us to know. Now, 
You know, one of the things, again, walking with God requires us that we see. I showed you a couple of verses. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13, Hosea 4, 6 actually really explain that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge or New Living Bible says it like this, my people, my people, not the world, my people are perishing because they don't know me. Isaiah chapter 5 says it like this, that my people will go, into, will go into exile again because they don't know me. So you and I, walking with God requires that we see. Walking with them in any distance, me, my own personal life, any, any area of my life, it requires that I see things from the word of God. I have to see it so I can see it. This is a spiritual reality because when I see it from the word, not just talking a, uh, you know, a nice little picture Bible or something, but it becomes revelation knowledge. When you see that the stripes of Jesus have made you well, then you can see it. A lot of times what we're doing is we're mentally assenting to it. Oh, yeah, 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 Jesus did that. Yeah, 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 I know that. And all of a sudden when a tat tries to come at you, what do we do? Yeah, I thought the word says this, but this is how I feel. That but right there is what was more important in you and my thinking then. It becomes, well, yeah, this is how I feel though. So it becomes a more bigger deal or becomes more real to you and I. So what do you see? This is a question that God, I believe, is asking us as a church. And I know at one point I'll get into this a little bit later on in weeks coming. But even for us as a church, what do you see this church as? How do you see it? God has been wanting to even challenge me on the inside to get a different picture of just, this is my Sunday morning routine. This is just where I go to see my, you know, my homies. This is what I do. You know, this is, I come and I, I, get, I get filled here. Or this, is not, this is my church and that's all great. But I want to elevate that thought. I, what do you see this to be? What can this be? I see it as a glory center. God wanting to do tremendous things, not only in this place, but through this place. Absolutely. So it's, what do you see? What do you see? This is a good question to write down. What do you see? What does God reveal to you from his word? Because whatever you see, you can have it. Now, again, this is why the Ephesians prayer, and let's turn here for a moment. The Ephesians prayer is so crucial for us as believers. I believe the Spirit of God gave this prayer to us for the reason so that we, when we pray it, he can answer it. <laughs> He's basically saying, y'all, pray this. Pray this so I can do this. So can we take a moment again just to pray this together as a church family? All right, so Father, we come to you. You are the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father of glory. Sir, we're asking you that you would grant unto us here at Impact, may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light that we may know what is the hope of our calling what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in us? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power in and for us? Why? Because we believe. Now, what is this power that's on the inside of us? This power is the same working power which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and you seated him at your own right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Far above. What? All principality, all power, all might, and all dominion, and every name that is named when? Not only in this age that we're living in, but also in the age which is to come. And 
He put all, come on all, all things, all things, where? Under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Why? Which is his body, which fills in all in all. Why is he saying all this? Paul's not just, you know, kind of picking something out to pray. Paul actually saw this. When you and I see this, that you and I aren't just seated down here on earth and just hoping that the devil doesn't hurt us and just hoping that everything just pans out. He seated you. If you continue on reading Ephesians chapter 2, it ties in. Remember, chapters and verses were not put in, they're not in the original text. It just continues going on. And it says, and you... Chapter 2, verse 1. After we just read all that in first chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. And you, and you what? And you hath he quickened, made alive with him, and caused him to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So you and I, what do we need to get a picture of? I'm not just down here hoping that everything's going to be okay. I now have to get the picture. I am now seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus where I now look like this. Now all the circumstances, situations with my kids, I'm no longer going, oh, I hope that they're going to be okay. No, now from this place, I command and I demand certain circumstances to change. Why? For the sake of what God wants to do. I operate from this place of authority, but you got to see it. This is where I am. This is who we are. This has begun in the church, become a nice thought for us, but this is actually to be experienced. This is the reality of where we are seated Right now. And how is it going to come? Revelation knowledge. God, open up my eyes to see. Open up my ears to hear. I need to see this, God, for what you've actually done. Because everything we just laid off there, God has placed you far above all power, all disease, all issues or circumstances. He's raised you above it. Meaning doesn't mean that things don't come after you. Of course things are going to come at you. We're in this world, but we're not of it. So how do I operate? How do I function? i got to function by revelation knowledge from a higher realm, a higher realm of thinking, a higher realm of seeing, and it can only come from the Word of God. Woo! This is a good covenant that we're in. Man, I tell you, the devil's going to pee his pants when some of us figure this all out. Wait a minute, this is, well, this is who I am? Hey, devil, this game's over. I figured it out. I see it from the Word. And now you make him go on the run a little bit. You flip the table on him. So now what we've been discussing for a while is aligning ourselves or positioning ourselves to receive revelation knowledge. Because again, remember this, is that it's not all up to God that I get revelation knowledge. There's a part that I play. There's always a God side and there's always a man side. Jesus did all of the work to get you and I in a position now to receive revelation knowledge by getting us born again. You must be born again. The moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, everything has become new. Come on, y'all. Everything became new. Where? On the inside. Right? If you didn't know 2 plus 2 was 4 before you knew the Lord, you didn't know what after you met the Lord. It didn't change your brain. It didn't change your physical body. It changed you on the inside. Right? This is what he did. Now, now, let's look here for a moment. So God, again, he, he, has, he lined at us. He gave it everything that we needed to experience revelation knowledge. But it requires you and I positioning ourselves to receive it. 
And the first two points that we discussed, there's four in total, but the first two points really come to this place where we have to understand how God operates. we got to get how he thinks, how he works. And one of the ways is this, understanding how God speaks. It's so crucial we understand how he speaks, where he speaks, to whom does he speak to. Because again, if you look around, it will almost look like God is talking to some people and leaving some people out. Is that the case? Is that his heart? No. But he doesn't talk to smart people. Pride repels him. Pride is the most horrible stench in his, in his nostrils, if I could say. He can't stand it. That's why Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. Pride was found in him. And so the Bible actually tells us that God actually resists the proud. But what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And listen, I need grace. If I'm going to receive revelation knowledge, I need the grace. So it requires you and I to live in this state of humility, meaning this, God is smarter than me. I don't know everything. I could be wrong. Anybody ever said that before? Your spouse could be wrong. How'd that feel? My wife could be wrong. Very rarely has that happened, but it could happen. I could be wrong. Oh, really? I know, it's a surprise. But yes, I could be wrong. (laughs) Now, tying in with this is secondly, is we have to understand that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We got to get this. Church, we have to get this. Because a lot of times, you know what, especially in the world that we're living in today, there's so much being talked about mental health. Mental health this, mental health that, and it's good, of course. God cares about you, spirit, soul, and body. But don't, the word of God is a spiritual book. God doesn't speak to your brain. It'll affect your brain if you allow it to change the way you think. Right? And here's the thing you find out from the word. If you don't use the word of God to change the way you think, your mind will look for new things to think of. And if it doesn't line up with the word, it is a dangerous place to be. So the most important thing for us as believers is not just to be strong mentally. Of course, that's wonderful. But we've got to build up the spirit, man, so that it can affect our soulish state. Does God speak to our physical beings? No. The word of God, Jesus said this, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Another translation, the Mirror Bible says it like this, that I speak to you from a different perspective. And this is John chapter 6. Remember Jesus' famous message in John 6? Remember what he was talking about? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. We know that to be Jesus' famous message. And everybody that heard it, a lot of men, he turned a lot of people away because they thought that he was a, you know, a cannibal. Eat my flesh, drink my You are psychotic, preacher. What's wrong with you? And what did he say? He didn't see Jesus try to go in, oh, no, that's not really what I meant. I meant, you know, the flesh is really my words, and the blood that I'm going to be spilling is going to be for you. And he didn't get into all of that. He just said, here it is. Here it is. Oh, this is offensive to me. I'm not going to pay attention anymore to that. It doesn't make sense because they're trying to comprehend. The Bible doesn't need reason. God's word doesn't need reason. What does it need? It needs belief. God doesn't have to explain to you and I why things are are the way that they are. All that we do is go, yes, sir. By the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. I don't get it. I don't feel it. I don't see it. Your job isn't trying to reason to figure out how that's true. Your job is just to go, I believe I receive it. And let God do his part. 
Okay, so those are the first two parts, and we talked a little bit about that. But we got to understand, again, aligning ourselves for revelation knowledge. I have to understand how God works, who he created me to be. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in this physical body. Just, I know it's, we've heard this so many years, but we got to get this. I am a spirit. Say it with me. I am a spirit. I'm a speaking spirit like God. That's who I am. I possess a soul, meaning I have a will. I have emotions. I have them. They don't have me. And I live in the physical body. Thank God this isn't me. I'm a whole lot better looking on the inside. That's <laughs> so what I tell my wife all the time. I said, girl, you look good on the outside, but your spirit, you're smoking on the inside. That was my pickup line, and here we are. <laughs> Almost 13 years later. Man. Now, and then the second part to these, so one and two, now three and four, these two points deal with the atmosphere of our own hearts and the atmosphere or the, the condition of the corporate atmosphere. What does God smell when we come together? Does he, does he like it? Or do we stink to him? And again, of course, we want to have a good scent. That's why we've been, especially even on Thursday nights with our worship team, it's been so wonderful just gathering together. It's been seriously just time of praise, of time of worship, time of prayer, just getting in the presence of God. And why the reason there? Because whatever, you do it there so we can do it here. What is your personal life at home? Because whatever you're doing at home, you bring it here. So what is the atmosphere that you give off? When we get around you, what are we smelling besides Axe body spray or something like that? What, what are we getting? What's the spiritual smell that you're letting off? Because listen, even if you think, well, I'm not giving anything off, we can smell you a mile away. <laughs> we'll move on. So again, this deals with the attitudes of my own heart. Number, number three is this, developing an attitude is that I live in the reverential fear of the Lord. In other words of saying it is, whatever God says, I put more weight and more honor to what he says above anything else. And number four is this, is that I give God access. He needs something to work with. And now, for Revelation to flow, I personally have to give God access. And as a church family, we have to give him access as well. And what does that mean? It means that we're simply going to flow. How does that look? What does that mean? God, whatever you want to do in a service... You have full right to do it. If you want to interrupt mid-song, if you want to interrupt mid-message, Lord, we say yes. Can we all say that? We say yes. So if there's going to be some awkward moments, are you okay with that? Sure. Why not? All If all the whole motive and the purpose is, Lord, is there anything you want to do here? Go for it, Lord. Anything you want to say here? Go for it, Lord. That's what we're completely open to because God doesn't just need a, you know, a nice church that does nice things in communities. That's all wonderful and great and dandy. What he needs is he needs a place where he has access to move. And not people just go, well, that, that's a little bit, that's, that's weird. I, I don't know how that's going to look. He needs access. God needs his church back. And especially in the nation that we're living in, you and I are called for such a time as this. And what do we do? God, here's access. We're your church we're your yes people. Whatever you want to do, our answer is yes before you even have to ask us. 
That's who we are. That's what impact exists for. Okay, now, as I said in the beginning of this, as an urgency in my heart, get ready, get ready, get ready. And I want to just say this again to us, that the Lord said to us in September that we are to expect, we are to prepare our hearts, and we are to create environment for encounters with him. So what do we get ready for? We get ready for an encounter. And any time, not that the sense that we're looking for anything external, right? Don't get me wrong. We're not looking for, you know, just some kind of physical feeling or whatever. You can get it on a regular basis, encounters with the Lord. I mean, you guys probably experience him on a regular basis. So this is not to say that we're not experiencing him. We are. But what we're saying is, Lord, we want to see it and experience it in a greater measure with you. Because God, there's a lot more to God than what you and I have been experiencing. There's so much more. And so what we're saying is, Lord, we're open to more. Okay? That's all we're doing. Now, any time that you see in the word of God, when God says, hey, I'm coming down, Old Testament specifically, what did the people do? They got ready. They got ready, they got ready, they got ready. So when you hear the word get ready, what does that also mean? That you're not quite ready yet. Right? And you ever have to say that to your kids? All right, kids, let's go. I'm not ready yet. Well, let's go. Get ready. Get your clothes on. Yes, you need underwear to go to church. Yes, you need all those types. Please put them on. What does that mean? You're not ready. So for us as a church family, this is the, the urgency that I get in my heart, is get ready. So that's, that's very exciting. I'm going, okay, something's coming. The other thing goes, we're not quite ready yet. So as a church family, this is what we're going to just dive into a little bit, is just what does this get ready look like for us? And I want to take the remainder of my time here just to share a few things that have been going on in me. But it's what do we get ready? What do we do? We get a haircut, we shave, we shower. No, we're getting our hearts ready. We're getting it ready on the inside. And this is what I wanted to share with you is what I believe the Lord is leading us as a family is now the focusing of enlarging our hearts enlarging our hearts. It's great to expand or to enlarge on the outside, right? Like, I mean, for example, what we've done last year or two years ago, I believe it was, we purchased a couple of these properties behind and we knew the Lord led us to do that. It's wonderful. It's powerful. I mean, we've had to purchase some new cameras as we've had um, opportunity. The Lord sees fit for us to do more um, across online as we have an online audience and different things, especially with the position that, you know, Pastor John and Ingrid, of course, what they hold and what they do. And where I was at even last week was just another church that's connected to us. There's 13 churches that are part of our organization and three other traveling ministries, which is wonderful. It's powerful. And so what we're just seeing, the Lord is obviously wanting us to go this way. He's graced us. He's asked us to do this. So the grace, the anointing to do these things, so to expand new properties, get new cameras, that's something we're still looking at doing. We need to upgrade a few little things here and there. And that's wonderful, all for the sake of reaching people with the gospel, to raise up people, to train them up, not just to get a big church, but to build big people. This is what we're all about. So you need proper equipment. So all of that is wonderful. All of that expanding, enlarging that's taking place is wonderful and it's good. But more importantly is our inner capacity, our inside, our heart, is it large enough to take all of this in? Because that's where a lot of burnout takes place. That's where a lot of disgruntledness takes place is that what happens is that the inside isn't as big as what is happening on the outside. 
And when that takes place, now you get frustrated people, you get offended people, you get bitter people, because all they're looking at is the natural things, and they don't see what God's doing, so their heart constricts. And that's where it takes place. So for you and I, what God is asking us and telling us to do is, we have to enlarge our hearts. Enlarge it. Enlarge it not only for Him, but for one another. Enlarge it for one another. I'm not even just talking about love for the world. Dear Lord, that we, we can get that sorted. Can we love each other on the inside? And that's where all it's going to take off. But now, again, let me just get back to this enlarging our hearts. But again, the expansion of our hearts must be the first because everything that God does for you and I and wants to get to you and I must first get in our heart. If he can't get it in your heart, he can't get it in your hand. This is where it begins. If he can't get it in my heart, he can't get it in my hand. So what do we got to do? Enlarge. Enlarge. Paul, say it with me, enlarge. enlarge. Now, does enlarging, does it always feel good on the inside? No. But here, this is what we have. We have an amazing teacher, a coach on the inside called the Holy Spirit. And his job is, he doesn't want to just keep you where you're at. Thank God for all the things that you've experienced, that you've done. But there's so much more. And how do I see the more? Enlarging on the inside. Enlarging on the inside. Enlarging on the inside. Come on, say it with me. Enlarge on the inside. Now, I want to show you a couple of these verses here. Just a couple of thoughts and ideas of how enlarging looks and how it takes place. Psalm 119, verse 30. <clears throat> and I want you to notice some of the words that the, this, uh, David wrote. Again, who was David? He was a man after God's heart. Now, remember, what came into the heart of David concerning God? Anybody remember this? What came into his heart? To build? What? Come on, y'all. What, what, what came in his heart? To build a house for God. How did that get in there? Obviously, God had access to David because what happened? Enlargening of the heart. Enlargening of the heart. And David went through a lot, right? Oh, thank you so much, Julia. He went through a lot, right, in order to experience and to get this heart enlarged. So don't just think enlarged heart, just go, okay, Lord, I just believe I receive for a bigger heart. That's good, but it also is going to require you and I, there's going to be some things going on on the inside that's going to take place as well. I'll give you just a little personal example for my own self. So this will be five years ago, Pastor John and Ingrid, they transferred the church or they did a transition service with us where they just felt the call, you know, to do more apostolic and more ministry uh, globally around the world. So they did that. They put us in this place. At that time, I was like, okay, I, I remember on the inside, it, it felt good. It seemed right. Okay, I knew it was a big step and just going, okay, God, because now it's, people won't look at my parents as, you know, well, they, they need to do this or this is what's all. Now the buck stops with me. Yeah. <clears throat> Now that's a different position when you're like asking for a budget. That's, that's simple. But now when you're supposed to run and oversee a budget, that's a little bit of a different thing. This seat is a whole lot different than that seat. Right? So, okay, I remember that transition. My parents are so gracious and said, no, we believe, we believe this is God. We believe you can do it. Okay. Right? So here we are. Five, that was over five years ago. Then in September, or November of that same year, Pastor John and Ingrid, they have a ministry called Canada Word of Faith Ministries. 
And what that was, it's a licensing and ordination ministry, where there's also a Bible school attached to it. It had a lot of different ministries that are attached to it, a lot of different churches attached to it. And they said, hey, we feel that was, that's supposed to be you guys as well. <laughs> Come again? These, a lot of these people changed my diapers. Come again? <laughs> and so what happened, we were brought into that place. And what the Lord was doing, it was so uncomfortable in my flesh, but at the same time, we knew it was the right step. Pastor John knew it was the right step, so we did another transition, not only in February for the church, but we did one in November with all the pastors and their leaders that were attached to it as well. We did that in Canmore with everybody. And what had happened on the outside, it was like, oh, dear God, how's this going to happen? But as you take that step of faith, what happens? You're getting expanded. You're getting enlarged on the inside. And so what happens when that takes place? Your capacity grows. Right? Let me just give you from a natural perspective. How many of you have children? Remember when you had that first baby? Oh, you were in love with that baby, right? You were so excited when that baby woke up. Let's have the day. Let's have the day. And you're looking at each other and you're goo-goo-gagging all over each other. And I love you. Oh, you're so precious. And then you're exhausted. And then you finally put the baby to sleep. And what do you do? You look at the pictures that you took of the day of your baby and you go, what a precious baby. And all of a sudden, your wife gives you a call and says, hey, we're going to have another baby. You go, how am I going to love that child? And I don't have got enough storage on my phone for another child. And how am I, <clears throat> I going to do all this? And all of a sudden, when that baby born, this is something my mom told me. When the baby born, you will just know. You'll just fall in love with that child as well. Second baby born, what happens? You look at that child and you go, oh, man, I love you. And what happens? You're doing the exact same thing, not just with one of them. Now you're doing it with two. Then a couple months later, your wife gives you a call and says, hey, we're pregnant again. Oh, so that's how that works. Got it. Okay, cool. And what happens? You start going through the whole, how is this going to work? Am I going to love that child? Am I, do I have enough love for that child? How is this all going to take place? You're, you're finally, your baby girl is born, and you just, oh, I love you, my sweetheart. There you are. I'm so excited, so excited. There you go, 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 go. And all of a sudden, your wife calls you again and says, hey, we're pregnant again. We got to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> But what happens, child after, and I'm, I'm stopping at four, but there's, I know, there's a girl right here, a second seat. Fifth comes along. Anybody got six? Six, 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 six. Six over here. Anybody got seven? Anybody got seven? How many? Where are we at? Seven? Where are we stopping? Seven, eight? Nine? Alan, are you here? We're prophesying. We're having more babies, more babies, more babies. But what happens over after every child is coming? What happened to you, just even naturally speaking? Your capacity grew. You're enlarged. Now what used to be chaotic with one, it's just, well, the one is easy. Oh, man. Right? Then you get two, and it's like, okay, that's a little much. But after a little while, it's like, your capacity grows. I got kids fighting, and I'm changing the poop diaper right now. No big deal. I can do that all day. What happened? Your capacity grew. Now, if I was thrown into the situation with four right off the bat, peace to some of y'all, but that's a, that is a whole nother ballgame. But it's the same way. So that's just a natural standpoint. Spiritually speaking, you and I, there's got to be, there's got to be some growth coming out of you and I. We've got to be co comfortable being uncomfortable. Now, let me get into some of these things. Look at these verses from Psalm 119. And part of this is just a simple choice that you make. It's as simple as that. And I want you to look at the words of the psalmist right here. And he says this, I have chosen. Say it with me. I have chosen. 
So this is a choice that he makes. Don't belittle this or don't dumb this down. This is a very powerful couple of words right here. He says, I have chosen the way of truth. And for every human being, every child of God, especially in the church, we have got to make this decision for ourselves right now. I have chosen the way of truth because there is no such thing as my truth. No such thing. I have experiences, absolutely, but there is only one truth. And this is where the church gets caught off, is we start chasing everybody's opinion or the truth about that or the truth about that. Nothing. We go to this. I have only one way of truth. I've chosen it. And so he says, I have laid your word before me. So if I'm choosing the way of truth, what do I do? I lay not Facebook in front of me, not the political parties in front of me. What am I lifting in front of me? The word. And I judge everything by this word. You have to make that decision, especially if you're wanting to enlarge your heart. This is where it begins. Look at verse 31. He says, now I cling. When I see that word cling, I just picture a child that is just grasping on to mom or dad when they're you know, not really wanting to say hi to somebody. They just hang on with everything they got. I cling to your testimonies or I cling to your word. Lord, don't put me to shame. Verse 32, he says, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. How is my heart being enlarged? Doesn't just mean, okay, I'm listening for a good little, well, that was a good message. That made me feel good. Great, that's wonderful. That's not what this is for. What we do, leave 32 on there for a sec, guys. I will run the course of your commandments, meaning this, I am going after your word with everything I've got. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to just hear it. I'm actually going to live out what I hear. This is what happens. You will enlarge my heart. So part of the enlarging process is you and I just stop being hearers of the word. We've actually become doers of the word. When you make that decision, I'm not just doing this to hear anymore. I'm doing this so that I can actually do and change my life to line up with this word. What happens? An enlarging takes place. Why? Because sometimes it's uncomfortable. Doing the word, honestly, sometimes is uncomfortable. Sometimes doing the word doesn't make any sense. Why am I giving my tithe? Why am I paying? Why am I giving? Why am I sowing? It makes no sense. I need that money. (laughs) No, you don't. You need God's access to your life. That's what you need. But it doesn't make any sense. I will run the course of your commandments. And what's happening? Oh, but the, I don't want to. When you do it, what's happening? An enlarging is able to take place because God's got access. Now, that's just a simple little facet, just money. You talk about this, and there's a whole other plethora of the word of God concerning this. Now, let me show you this. So what did the psalmist do? He said, I choose the way of truth. I put your word in front of me. I cling to your word. I'll pursue your word. And the result is he will enlarge my heart. So this is a healthy enlarging that's taking place, right? The next thing I want you to show, look at this in Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. It says, God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Now, whenever I was in distress, look what he did. Come on, y'all, whenever I was in distress, he enlarged me. What is distress? It's a situation or a trial that came my way. Somebody did. Somebody said. Something happened maybe towards you. And what does God do? God, I just need you to fix this whole thing. I hear that. 
But can you also look at it as another opportunity going, I'm going to put the word to work here so that an enlargening can take place on the inside. Because listen, some of the trials and problems that you faced, say, two or three years ago, if they were to come back at you today, you've passed the test through the word. Now you look at it and going, Psh. come on, say it with me. Second Corinthians 4 even talks about these light momentary afflictions are but for a moment. So here's the thing. These light things that come against us, I don't even want to honor it. I don't even want to give it a word. Psh. Nothing. Why? He's going to enlarge me on the inside. But here's the thing. If I don't pass the test, I got to do it again. If you don't pass grade three, you got to do grade three again. And again. And again. Until when? Until you pass the test. Testings and trials come. So remember, we talked about this a while ago. We got to flip the flow rather than going... Oh, no, another test, another trial, another problem. I'm going and looking at it going, oh, another opportunity for dun, 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 getting ripped on the inside. <laughs> oh, man. And this is great. This is how it comes. I can't just go, oh, God, make me ripped on the inside. Make me strong. I mean, of course, there's, you can pray those types of things. The same way, though, that I've pried, like, God, just, you know, I want to be ripped on the outside. I want to look like Dwayne Freeborn. I want to get... Arms the size of my, my legs. I want, I want a you want a drum chest that just things bounce off me, right? I want those things. Does it come by just believe and go, God, give that to me? No, there's some effort that's required to that. Well, the same way, even in the spirit speaking, enlarging doesn't just, oh, I hope everything just pans out okay. No, there's some stuff that you and I are gonna walk through. There's some trials and problems that are gonna come, but it's an opportunity for the enlarging process to take place. Do you see it that way? Can you use it as an opportunity? Absolutely. Man, that's what I'm talking about. So Shane, if you would bring me those. <clears throat> Some people were asking if I was baking this morning. No. But if you want these bowls to bake something, I, thank you, Shane. I greatly appreciate that. I want to just talk about capacity here for a moment. And this, what I have here is I got three different bowls that I don't use for baking. I used to hold my popcorn in. But here you have different capacity. What is your capacity What's your capacity? Of course, if you can see these three different right here. If I, um, can you see that, the, different, the different limits here? You know, small, medium. Thanks, Julian. We got small, medium, large. Now, the question is, what's your capacity? Now, it's limited to what you've seen in the Word and you've carried out in your life, what you've heard and what you obey in your life. Now, here's the thing. You are in charge of your capacity. Now, what will God do? Being a loving father, and we know his grace is more than enough, right? And he continually pours and pours over. We know that to be true. So the problem is not on God's end where he just doesn't want to pour. It's you and my capacity that we have to take a look at. If my capacity for life, my capacity for the Lord, my capacity with his word and doing his word is this, I will only experience this. Now, who's in charge of expanding the capacity? God, is that God? God, I just want you to, Josh, just do a good thing, God. Just blow this over. Just do amazing things. The Lord, set a fire in me that I can just, I can't contain it. I can't control it. All of that sounds so good, but the bottom line is, what's your capacity? If this is my capacity, this is all that I can contain. Simple, right? And now how do we grow from one to another? 
Enlarging, how does the enlarging take place? I not only hear the word, but I become a doer of the word. And part of the ways is, now my capacity has grown a little bit. My relationship with the Lord has deepened. And it just continues on down line. It just continues that way. Thank you very much, Julian. Would you like this? Thank you, sir. Now, I can grow my capacity. I can shrink my capacity. Remember, in the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as stagnant. You can't just, oh, I'm going to just hang out here for a little while. I'm going to just be here for the, the remainder of my life. In the kingdom of God, you're either advancing or you're going back. So you and I have to make this choice. What are we actively pursuing? What are we going to do with what we hear? I'm going to enlarge. Now, we're going to get more into this as time goes on. But what stunts my capacity or what causes delay in my heart to enlarging? Ready? I'm going to just give one today, but it's childish living. Ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, please, for a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, again, we know 1 Corinthians 13 to be a chapter all on love, the God kind of love that he's put on the inside of us. But what stunts our capacity? What stunts our growth? And it's childish living. Now look at this. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, when I was a child, what did I do? I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things. How did he see things? Like a child. And then what did I do? I reasoned like a child. But, well, say it with me, but the day came when I matured and I set aside childish ways. Now, there is this idea in Western culture that knowledge not only is power, but knowledge is maturity. Not so in the kingdom of God. I think, again, this is personally, I think some Christians are 3,000 Bible verses overweight. <laughs> I know verse after verse. I know this. I know that. And you become so knowledgeable of the word and what happens with knowledge? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So it does not matter how much you know of the Word of God. It doesn't matter. You could be the smartest guy in the whole world, and if there's no love to give and bring its voice, you sound, I'm not going to hit that drum, it sounds like a clanging cymbal even though you think, well, I know this all, your capacity is stunting. It continues to shrink. It continues to go shrivel up on the inside. And what are we talking about capacity? Bottom line is just influence. How does my influence grow? As my capacity grows. Everything is an inside job with God. It all is. And this is a big one for you and I as believers. But maturing believers, as I said, is not based on just knowledge, but also on how much I can demonstrate and reveal the love of God in what I have to say. Yeah. Did you know that I can correct someone when they're completely off and do it in love and it'd still be fine? <laughs> Did you know that you can hug and kick at the same time and still be a good person? <laughs> but we've, we've, what we've demonstrated, being nice and kind is Christian. It's not. Being a word doer is Christian speaker of truth 
in love is a Christian. Okay, I'm not going to go take time into that. But now for you and I, taking care of childish matters. I mean, if you just think about it for a moment, what is um, the, just the natural tendency of a child? Selfish. Selfish. So when he says, I reasoned as a child, I spoke about childish matters, I thought like a child. What's he saying in all this? The bottom line is childish believers are selfish. Meaning, what are they thinking about? How am I going to get benefited out of this? How is this going to impact me? How am I going to feel when I walk in these doors? I wonder if anybody's going to notice me. Now, I know that sounds, but you have no idea some of the calls that are left. Nobody said hi to me. Did you say hi? Well, no, I was a little busy, but I stood in the corner and nobody came. Honey, grow up. Y'all, grow up. Because we ain't playing church anymore. There is a real enemy, and what is he trying to do? Steal, kill, and to destroy. And it's not to mean that, hey, that's how you felt. Sorry about that. Hi, how are you? That's nothing on us. We are completely all outward focused. But what we're talking about here is we have got to grow up as a church family so that our capacity can grow on the inside so that God's got greater access not only to you as an individual, to your family at home, but also to this church family. Depth is what we're interested in. To be a strong, rooted believer doesn't just mean I have more verses that I memorized. It means I hear the word of God, I apply it to my life, I do it in my life, and now my capacity has grown. Oh, man. Now, now a believer who has been a believer for a long time and has been a child for a long time is one who doesn't take time to guard or garden his heart. And this is where we're going to take the rest of our time during however long the Lord wants us to, is we're going to just talk about our heart because, again, if he can get it in my heart, he can get it in my hand. And so what we need is we need an enlarging to take place on the inside because, listen, there are some things that God needs you to see for the sake not only for you and your family but for the place that you work. You are not there just to create or to get a paycheck. You are there on an assignment, and the assignment now requires you and I, God, why am I here? I need to see, and what needs to take place? An enlarging needs to take place. <clears throat> Does this make sense? Are we okay? Okay. Now, let's look at this, Proverbs chapter 4. Now, we have to guard our capacity. We have to guard this, not in the sake of, I don't want to grow, but in the sake of, I don't want to damage it. I don't want to hinder it. I don't want anything getting in there. If there's any offense, and I'll just be honest, you know, an offended believer is a child. There's no such thing as an offended Christian. Look at it in the Bible. Is there a verse that says, oh yeah, Christians will be offended once in a while? No, of course offense may come. Don't take the bait. That's all that it is. What is the enemy after? The word. He comes immediately to steal the word. Well, so-and-so said this, who cares? God loves you. We've got to grow up because as long as we're going to remain offended, I'm not going to act like this. What's going to happen? You're going to start to shrink. Your capacity is going to start to dwindle and the gift and the calling of God on your life becomes and God wants it expanding, growing. Why? Because you're supposed to reach people. Right? 
So what we're saying is I want to guard my heart. I want to guard what's going on on the inside for the sake of, again, not because I don't want God to expand me, but for the sake of I don't want any trash getting in in me because when it gets in me, not only is to stunt my growth, but eventually influence down the line. You know this, I said this to my mom a little while ago. I'm so thankful that they, my parents never took offense. I'm so thankful from the bottom of my heart, from things that were said about them, things that were said to them, in front of them, behind closed doors, and they never took the bait. They never got offended. They never got bitter. They never got resentful towards ministry, towards church, towards people. They continued to keep their love on. And the result of that, all of their kids are serving the Lord to this day. And I actually said, I don't, if they ever got offended, yeah, I thank God for that. But that, we kind of look at the goal like that's a simple thing. But when they stand before the Lord, I believe it's like God just going, thank you. Like, if I were to get offended over anything, I'm even just thinking what kind of impact that would do in my tone in my house. How I would react or talk to my children would totally change because now I'm in this place of hurt. And we know this, hurt people hurt people. We know that. And so what's the result? If I were to take any of that on, man, I'd be a jerk to my kids. I'd be frustrated to my wife. And what would happen down the road is, who knows, our marriage could be done. Kids are just off and not wanting to do this. And what do they do? They blame, oh, another pastor's kid's going down the drain. That ought not be. And why? Because people talk. People share stuff. Not everybody's going to like you. And you've got to be okay with that. I'm learning that right now. Not everybody's going to like you. I cannot find joy in your brain. And that's a long, that's a hard lesson for me to learn because for the most part, I'm trying to people please. I'm trying to keep everybody happy. Well, the point comes where it's, done. I'm supposed to please him. I need to be free from people so I can minister to people. That's why Jesus was so effective. He was free from the cares of people so that he can minister to them effectively. Man, it's life-changing. And it ought to be for the whole church. Who cares what they say about us? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Oh, man, who gives a rip? I don't know what I'm getting Anyways, let's finish off with this. Proverbs 4.23. He says this, above all. Now, if you think, I mean, Proverbs, I kind of just see this Proverbs, a whole book of Proverbs, is a dad sitting down with his son, and he's just giving him a lecture. Anybody ever gotten a Proverbs lecture before from their parents? And they're just telling you, my, this is my mom would say all the time, protect your heart. I'd be going off to, you know, going off to hang out with some friends or going to a movie. Protect your heart. Thanks, Mom. What does that mean? I don't get it. What are you talking about? I do now. (laughs) Totally get it. And my job, even as a parent now, is I am so careful with these little hearts that I've been a a steward over, my children, what they're putting their eyes on. Because this world is trash. Oh, Lord. We're just watching a few. We're watching some of the hockey. Because Montreal Canadiens are finally in it. And... (laughs) Do you know how many times I've had to mute the TV, turn off the TV from just stupid images or, man, talking about all the alcohol or just all this stuff. Papa, why'd you turn off the TV? I'm protecting your heart, son. From what? You'll know one day. You don't need to see that trash. Because eventually, what is everything? Everything we hear, everything we look at, it doesn't just stop there. It's making its way somewhere. 
Where is it trying to go? It's trying to get right here. And if it can get here, it affects everything else. Now look at this. I just think this is so profound that above everything. I mean, what do you find in the book of Proverbs? There's advice for relationships. There's advice for legal. There's actually legal advice in here. There's advice for financial things, right? There's advice for, you name it, it's all in the book of Proverbs. And for, or for Solomon to write this down above everything else. Yeah, but, but dad, I want to hear more about that relationship. That stuff was so good. I need to hear that again. Above all else, guard your heart. Yeah, no, 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 dad, you don't understand. I really want to know that legal advice. Somebody's doing really something stupid. I need to hear that legal advice. Above all else, guard your heart. Why does he say that? Because everything out here is fixable. What I need to manage and what I need to take care of is what's going on inside because I'm convinced of this from the word that everything that's going on in here, if there's problems in here, it comes out here. There's a reason why people stay offended for so long. It's not longer about what people did. It's about what's going on on the inside. Christians continue to think things happen to me. No, life does not happen to you. Of course stuff happens. That's out of our control. My job is to guard my heart because look at this. Above all, guard the affections of your heart. Why? They affect all that you are. Then he says, pay attention to the welfare. Look at this. Pay attention. No, I'll say this. Pay attention. Pay attention, meaning this. Look at it. Right? There's a thing. We're going to probably do a message in a little while called guarding and gardening. I, I like gardens. I don't like taking care of gardens. That's why I have my mom, and that's why I have my other brother, Javen. He, when I pulled my bicep, this was a couple months ago, um, and he looked at me and said, and that's why I garden. Because <laughs> I'm always trying to invite him, man, come to the gym. Let's go work out. Let's go work out. No, 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 no. And then when I pulled my bicep, he's like, and that's why I garden. I said, Ooh, I'm so glad you're married. <laughs> but the whole gardening process is, what are you doing while you're gardening or while they're gardening on my behalf is you're making sure that the weeds, the junk that's in there comes out because it's trying to take all the soil, the nutrients, take all the water, the moisture, right? So part of it, not only are we guarding it from what's, to what's coming in, we're also gardening to check up on it every, every, well, for myself, I'm doing just weekly checkups. Give yourselves a weekly checkup. Pay attention to what's going on on the inside of your innermost being. Why? For from there. Where? From here flows life. Flows life. Now, if I have a bad heart, if I have got some weeds in there that I'm offended, I'm bitter, I'm hurt, I'm you name it, and I'm reacting or I'm speaking out this way, I have got to check what's going on on the inside. Because there's no... Whatever people do out here, I can't control you. I control my heart. And this church is what we're going to spend our time on is talking about enlarging our heart because our heart can't expand, our heart can't enlarge if we're not actually taking time to garden it and to guard from what's going on. I mean, think about it. The movies that are being put out, talking about, I mean, just all the the sexual stuff and the, how easy it is to murder somebody. Now, we are so desensitized to all of those things and we don't realize it comes. It's not just supposed to stop here. It tries to get down on here. So now, oh, they just, 
we, we, we kind of dumb it down. We don't say, oh, they had, an, they had uh, adultery. They had an affair. They, they have some problems and issues. You bet. It's called sin. We try to numb all this stuff down to make it all sound politically correct so we don't hurt anybody's feelings. And what has happened, we've pulled away from the truth and our heart starts to constrict and our capacity, we're going, why aren't we seeing more? Your capacity has shrunk because you've gotten away from what the word has to say. So our job is we got to get this in front of our eyes, keep this in front. And in love, I'm not talking about these harsh, we're not religious. We have relationship. God is full of grace and he's full of truth. So with the word, with love in one hand, with truth in the other, that's how we make a powerful impact to reach people with this gospel. And while we're doing that, we're checking up our heart, making sure, okay, Lord, this is, this is right, this is okay. If he tells you to turn off the TV, turn it off. What's so bad about that? Oh, there's a scene here. I don't want you to see that. That's, that's a scene that's going gonna, that's gonna to get in your brain for a little while. I need that out. Well, Lord, it, it, it's just, you know, it's just a little side shot. You're not going to see everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not about that. The fear of the Lord doesn't say, oh, I'm scared of God. It says, I'm scared of being away from him. Shut the thing off. Do it. Like Joseph, flee. Run out of that room if you got to. Get out of there. Why? I don't want anything affecting the condition of my heart. I like my heart's condition right now. It's sensitive. It's soft towards the Lord. He can correct me however he wants. I'm in a, for myself, I'm in a really good place right now. What do I want to do? I want to keep that sensitivity with him so that at, no matter what, he can say whatever and he has my attention. I want that. I don't want God to have to be you know, yelling from a megaphone, Yo, Joel, wake up. I need you over here. I don't want that. I want to be rain trained in the sense if he just gives me a nudge, I go, oh, Kind of just perk up like something's happening. And you become aware of it. That's what I want in my heart. And that's what we want for us as a church family. That all of a sudden during worship, hey, you know what? Somebody's got this in their bag. Let's, let's, just, let, let's all pray together as a family. And we see healings take place. We see God show up in powerful ways. How does that take place? We grow our capacity on the inside. Amen. Before we buy up this whole block and some. Whatever the Lord wants us to do, I'm open. It's not about making impact big. I don't give a rip about that. We have to get big on the inside to see it. Amen? All right, Father, we come before you. Lord, thank you so much for your word that it's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we ask you this morning, we come humbly before you. Father, our heart is to enlarge our hearts. That's what we want. We want to walk with you intimately. We want to know you intimately. In Jesus' precious name, amen.